Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister to sister chat with an inspiring go getter. And listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me, and I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. You're listening to episode 26 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. And today I'm chatting with Dr. Aisha Barrett, a board certified plastic reconstructive surgeon at Breast Body Beauty in Marietta, Georgia. Known as the Breast and Body Doc on Instagram and one of the few African-American female plastic surgeons in the United States, she offers cosmetic surgery for the breast, body, face, and skin. You may have also seen this beauty on the hit reality TV show, Atlanta Plastic, on Lifetime in 2015. But today, you're going to learn how she balances a busy career with a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Aisha Barron, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's like really exciting for me to kind of get to know you on a deeper level with this convo. So I'm happy we're making this happen. Yay, so am I. So am I. (laughs) All right. Well, we always like to start from the beginning. So if you could give us a little bit of a backstory on your upbringing from your parents to whether or not you had siblings and how you grew up. Okay. Well, I am a direct descendant, I guess, first generation uh, from Jamaican parents. Um, oh. So I consider myself- I, I knew I liked you for yeah. a reason. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're already here? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. All right. <laughs> respect, respect, right? <laughs> so I consider myself a Jamaican, firstborn Jamaican. Um, so I was born here in the States, but both my parents are Jamaicans. I was born in Boston, moved when I was, what, three- to California, Southern California, and grew up there, spent my elementary school years in California, which was fun and and everything. It's funny, um, we grew up in Simi Valley, California, which was like the safest city in the United States for like five or six years in a row in the 80s. Oh, wow. Um, But it's also the home of the Rodney King trial. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and the Ronald Reagan Library. So, wow. <laughs> um, you know, how I grew up um, as a minority in my, you know, in my surroundings, I was the only melanated <laughs> uh, kid or little brown girl in my entire elementary school for wow. like five years. And then we got another little chocolate drop somewhere. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it's a little bit more diverse now. But after that, I moved, my parents divorced and I moved to Atlanta, which is now I, what I consider my home, you know, and when I was about 12. And so I did junior high, high school and everything in Atlanta. But growing up, I have an older sister. She's about three and a half years older than me. She is, you know, my older inspiration, my number one supporter <laughs> and everything. Aww. But, you know, growing up, you know, I had a great childhood, you know, stable family life, 
sort of until the divorce. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when um, you were in school, like in the predominantly white school, well, it was all white. You were the only right, <laughs> black right. girl there. Did you fit in with your peers? You know, I did. And it's surprising, you know, kind of when that's your only surroundings, you know, I, I did fit in, you know, I was, I, I guess I was considered part of the little popular crew or whatever. But I think what's important also is that because of the way my father brought us up, we had a strong sense of self and who we were, you know, what we were, I, even from, I can't remember when he started drilling it into me that he was like, because you are black and a, a female or a girl, you're going to have to work twice as hard to even get any type of recognition, you know, or to really even kind of stand out at all. Um, he was like, you have two strikes against you as far as that's, that's concerned, you know, in this mm -hmm. world. Now, those are considered very positive strikes now, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, but we had a very strong sense of self. And so, you know, I didn't take any crap when I was younger being in the, you know, being an, a, a minority in that environment. My parents, you know, we were okay. never big dessert eaters. Okay, coming from the islands, and I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but um, you know, anytime after dinner or anything like that, like if we ever wanted something sweet, right. it was a piece of fruit. You know, um, we didn't have a lot of junk food or anything packed in our houses, and that's something that I actually try to translate to my kids. We don't, I don't have like fruit snacks, candy, cookies. I don't buy any of that stuff. Um, and my kids, when they want a snack, they ask for you know, potentially like a low sugar applesauce pouch um, or fruit. My, my daughter is as she eats salad, <laughs> you know, everything nuts and all of that. So I think, um, you know, really kind of trying to curb, you know, uh, cravings and boredom, you know, with healthy snacks, as opposed to going for the easy go to sugary stuff is definitely something that um, I brought from my childhood and I'm utilizing in my household now. Wow. Well, how about sports? Did you play any? You know, it's funny. I, I didn't really play any sports growing up, like on an elementary school level. Um, I did get into track and field in junior high and basketball. And so throughout high school, I did, what is it, basketball, track, and then my senior year, I actually did cross country. My dad would always take us to, you know, um, ride bikes and everything. But I was never really in any organized sports as a young kid, just because my parents worked a lot. And so they couldn't really take us from here to there, you know, but we always, you know, we're out riding bikes, doing kid things, playing until the streetlights came on, that type of thing. Exactly. Well, tell us about your favorite coach in high school, like their name and maybe something that they told you or how they helped you on and off the court. Right. Um, I think one of my favorite coaches, I guess, in high school, um, well, I guess it was Coach Watkins. Um, he was my track and field coach. And even though he wasn't necessarily like the warmest guy. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is that even in track, I wasn't the fastest, you know, girl out there. But I think what I really appreciated about him was that um, he saw my work ethic. He kind of saw the focus and the drive I put behind it. And once I became an upperclassman, uh, my junior and senior years, you know, I was in charge of taking some of the younger, younger girls on runs and, you know, kind of helping to develop their workouts. And it was a real honor when he awarded me the coaches award my senior year. And that's really, you know, normally that kind of goes to whoever's the fastest. Mm -hmm. um, but he, you know, kind of he saw my work ethic. He saw the effort and everything I put into things and, you know, that I was dedicated and really loyal to the team. And so I was given that award, which was really cool. Oh, that's so special. That's incredible. Great. OK, so <laughs> then you made the decision to go to Spelman College. Why Spelman? Yes. Why Spelman? 
Um, Spelman, because, you know, I even coming from, you know, elementary school years, you know, I went to Snow Mountain Junior High, you know, which was kind of 50-50 initially. Um, and then we moved again to a um, predominantly um, white institution for high school. And so, you know, when I came down to it, I was like, you know what, I just kind of don't want to worry if I'm going to fit in. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to be somewhere where I'm a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, in my element. And, you know, I just wanted to try um, and see if that environment would be best for me and if I would thrive in it. Because um, I'd visited Spelman. My godmother was actually a former dean of students there. Okay. And so um, I was like, you know, let me see what this is going to be. And I kind of I, I ended up choosing it because I was like, I just don't want any I don't want to be in any major, you know, minority majority environments for the time being kind of want to just bask in, you know, the great greatness of being a black woman. And I thought that Spellman would give that to me. And it certainly did like 10 times over. Um, it was one of the best decisions of my life. Mm. Okay, and when you walked on campus as a freshman, what did you hope to get out of the experience? I mean, even when it came to your major mm -hmm. and your future career. Yeah, um, you know, I really just, I wanted to thrive. I wanted to, of course, you know, get smarter, you know, kind of figure out the path in life. You know, I'd also been drilled in my head by my parents, I think, that I was going to be a doctor, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, you know, I was a bio major and kind of stayed on that path, bio pre-med. Um, and, you know, when I walked into Spelman, you know, I just wanted a, a strong sense of sisterhood. I had an older sister and we were we were close at the time. But, um, you know, we had a little bit of an age gap, um, you know, so I was just trying to really kind of figure out, you know, how, how much more depth there were to other girls who were potentially like me or not me and not like me. And I, I really saw that. I saw that there's so much diversity, so many different types of backgrounds and upbringings uh, of different Black women. And it was amazing, you know, um, getting to know just so many different people. You know, I've met my best friends. I've met, you know, basically acquired new sisters <laughs> who aren't blood, uh, you know, just from the Spellman sisterhood. And then, you know, additionally, on top of that, I pledged our sorority, Alpha, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> and I gained a whole entire new set of sisters. Okay. And so, you know, I think I, I got everything that I needed to get out of Spellman. And I got a great education on top of yes. it. Great education, great life experiences, um, really equipped me to uh, approach the rest of my life in a positive way. Uh, you know, so, I mean, every penny was worth it. Right. Well, it seems like, you know, growing your sisterhood uh, through the sorority and having a pretty robust social life, um, you know, how did that impact your collegiate career or, or even your professional journey? Was it like during school? Was it super positive? Were there any distractions that got in the way? And when I'm saying like social life, I also mean dating. So, like, <laughs> so how did right. that affect your life? during that time? Um, as far as it, it really didn't, I don't think, you know, I, I've always been pretty focused on my goal. You know, one thing that I kind of pride myself on is that even, you know, in college, 
I didn't really have a boyfriend until what around, I think around my junior year. And that was, you know, for a short period of time, I just kind of dated just don't need to be necessarily tied down to one person, you know, people get to college and get a boot up, so to speak, (laughs) by somebody. And they're kind of locked out into that one person, which may not necessarily be a bad thing, you know, but I kind of didn't really necessarily, I didn't really want to be just you know, tied to one particular person, I kind of wanted to, you know, do my thing and, you know, be able to focus on school so that, you know, all of my attention wasn't wrapped up, wasn't wrapped up into another person as well. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think being involved in sorority life or even just college life, um, I don't think it had a significant effect effect on dating um, or anything like that. You know, when the good thing, Morehouse was right across the way. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, people say, "Oh, you're go- you went to all girls school," but the all boys school is right across the street, right. and then there was Clark right next door. You know, so um, so yeah, I think uh, being in the AU Center was just a, such a rich experience. You know, not just from dating, but social activity, like doing so much. There were always concerts. There were always you know things to go to. And and so, yeah, they can provide a distraction if you let them, yeah. you know, but I think the overall arching, you know, theme is, okay, you're here to go to school to have these goals in mind, um, you know, in order to become a doctor. And so that's what consistently replayed in my head you know, anytime, you know, and there were times that, yes, I did get distracted, but I then also had to pull myself up because those loans were all in my name, not in my parents' name or anything like that. So I knew I had to repay them. uh, And so I had to get what I needed to get out of um, all of that. That is so good. (laughs) And that's why I'm making my kids like either they have to get a scholarship or pay because that's how you stay focused. When it's mommy and daddy's money, it's like, ah, not as serious. So you just yeah, proved my point. You know, and I'm a little conflicted about that, you know? And so the thing is, is that, yes, I have a 529 fund and everything started yep. for my kids. And yes, I want them to get the sense of, hey, you're invested into this, yes. you know, but then a lot of others, you know, they get, you know, their college and stuff paid for. I don't necessarily want my kids starting off with the amount of debt that I have either, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of like a catch, you know, or maybe you supplement a certain amount and, right. and they have at least a, a thousand, a two thousand dollar loan. They got to pay back. Exactly. I'm all for the 529 too. I'm like, I'll pay off your loan. I'm like, but I want right. you to make sure that you stay focused and you graduate or exactly. you just get a scholarship and no one has. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. exactly. Well, there may be a young, a young student out there who's listening and they're like, wow, I'm so inspired by this woman. I want to become a doctor someday, but it just seems like it's so far out of my reach. It's just too hard. Are there any hacks or time management um, tips that you could share with them that can let them know like, hey, if you do this, it may be a little bit more manageable? Right. So, you know, health careers, science-based fields, you know, kind of all those paths can potentially lead to medicine. Uh, and really, you know, anytime you're pre-med, you can major in whatever you want in college and things like that. But when it comes to pre-med, you're always going to have to have a strong science background. And so I always gravitated towards science in high school and, you know, and in college and everything. And so I think really having a strong science background, you know, and kind of immersing yourself or being at least exposed to those things, uh, really helps. And I also did a little bit of, um, part-time reception in a doctor's office, uh, when I was in high school. So it kind of exposed me to the field a little bit. Um, so I think surrounding yourself or 
you know, doing a summer program or, you know, trying to shadow your primary care physician or your pediatrician or whoever, you know, to kind of see if that's even the field that you want to go into or if you can potentially do that or potentially try to talk to people in those fields. You know, I never stepped foot in an OR until I was in medical school, Mm. you know, so I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be a plastic surgeon at that time. I really thought I was going to be an OBGYN. Um, you know, I just kind of had this idea in my head, but, um, I think surrounding yourself, you know, with the, in those environments or just giving yourself some, uh, some amount of exposure. And I know that may be a hard or, un- or, or seemingly unattainable for some people, but it may start by, you know, whenever you go, just go to your checkups, ask, asking your doctor questions, asking your dentist questions, you know, how did you do it? You know, what do you think you would have done? Um, you know, differently, you know, growing up or if you were my age. Uh, I think those are things that are important to really kind of get the ball rolling and really kind of get those creative juices flowing. But the thing is, is that there's so much information available at our fingertips with the internet and, you know, social media and all those types of things. So really starting by Googling things, (laughs) you know, getting the right information out there, um, you know, and kind of seeing how you can YouTube surgeries and see, oh, is this something that I might really want to do? You know, um, as far as time management goes, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to set a schedule when it comes to studying. I had a really strict schedule when I was studying for my boards uh, and everything like that. But What um, what was your schedule? It was like, or when I was studying for the boards, I had done like a Kaplan course and I, you know, would do, I would study and read in the morning, like the review books, you know, probably from like eight to 12, I would break and have lunch, but every hour I would break, I would do 50 minute blocks and then I'd break for 10 minutes, you know, give my mind a little bit of a rest and then go back for that second, for that next session. And then in the afternoon I would do questions. You know, I would do questions, review the questions, figure out why I got them wrong or right. And then, you know, I'd have dinner and then in the evening do just a few more practice tests. And then I'd go to bed at a decent hour, like nine o'clock. Oh, wow. You know, How long did you do that process for? Like For about three and a half weeks okay. prior to um, like my step one, which was in medical school. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I, I think it's important to be regimented and I, you know, I was dating, I was actually, what, dating my husband at the time. And um, I told him, I was like, I am unavailable (laughs) for the next, next, like, four weeks. Until I take this test, I don't even need, I don't need to see you. I don't need to do anything. Like, don't ask me to do anything because this is what I need to do. And so you kind of have to make sacrifices, you know, when it comes down to it. That probably made him love you even more. That say? probably made him love you even more. He was like, ooh. Uh, so yeah, focused. he always said that he, he loves the fact that I'm very focused yeah. and driven, um, sometimes to a fault. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's like you got to get your stuff done. You know, you have to do what it takes in order to realize your dream. And nobody's going to do it for you. Right. You know, nobody's going to nobody mapped out the path for me. You know, I kind of had to make my own path because really at Meharry, where I went to medical school, the uh uh, it's mainly primary care based. And so once I decided I wanted to do plastic surgery, I kind of had to make my own path and start doing rotations over at Vanderbilt and really kind of figure out what do I have to do in order to become a plastic surgeon. I organized my own away rotations and that type of thing, you know. And so, um, you know, I feel like in, you know, the younger generations kind of coming up right now, 
they want a lot of information handed to them and they kind of say, okay, well, I want to do this. How do I do it? And they want it just completely mapped out step, you know, one to five or whatever. And they don't want to do any of the research or back, you know, you know, kind of background work in order to figure out if that's even what you want to do or how to really even get there. And, you know, so I think, uh, you know, real success stories are of people who really kind of had to grind and make things happen for themselves. There's nothing wrong with having steps, but then you just have to kind of put the the work behind it in order to make things come really happen for yourself. Okay. Well, tell us about your very first job and what did you do to get your foot in the door? Um, my very first job, I was 14. Okay. okay. Started my first job at 14 because I wanted a phone in my room. Um, <laughs> Didn't and, we all? Oh my gosh. Yes, Didn't we all? <laughs> I wanted a phone. I, I can't remember. Was it, it was a phone because it wasn't, a, I didn't even have a TV in my room. I wanted a phone. I wanted to be able to talk on the phone with your friend, my friends. Um, and my mom would not pay for one. She was like, no, when you find your own money, then you can do that. So at 14, I got a job at mcdonald's okay mcdonald's my first job was at mcdonald's um at the age of 14 you could only work a certain amount of hours a week anyway so i did you know like five or ten hours on the weekend and then i kind of graduated up um i was i pride myself on being the queen of the drive-through um i was uh you know very uh skilled with the headset (laughs) and I was on the drive-thru for for a while, and that was my thing. You know, that was my thing. I I eventually moved on and went to work at the finish line at um, North Lake Mall um, while I was in high school. But, yeah, my first job was Mickey D's. Oh, wow. We had a similar path. My first job was in food, too, at Pretzel Time. I don't know if you've ever been (laughs) (laughs) And then my second job was at a shoe store called Just for Feet. So that is so funny. Oh, cool. Okay, similar kind of evolution, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then, okay, so you graduate from college. What would you say was probably the biggest risk you ever took for your career? Oh, biggest risk. Um, Really, I guess most, you know, I don't consider myself very risky. Well, oh, well, I guess at that age, not much, there was not much risk involved, you know, when going from, you know, college to medical school, not a lot of risk, except for social risks, you know, missing out on weddings, missing out on, you know, family events or, you know, birthdays and things like that. That's kind of what you have to sacrifice in those early years. But I would say um, my biggest risk, uh, you know, in my career was leaving um, the practice that I started with, that I joined right out of residency and going into business on my own. That was the biggest risk. Uh, you know, I kind of wasn't sure, I was, wasn't sure if I was able, going to be able to do it, but, and I had a lot of doubt initially, but once I decided that the situation there wasn't ideal for me anymore, um, and I wasn't going to be able to grow and thrive in the way I wanted to, I decided, you know what, I know plenty of other people that have done it, have gone into business for themselves, have opened up their own practice, and they're still here and they're still in business. So why can't I do it too? And so I made that leap and it has paid over dividends. Like it is, it was probably the wisest decision that I made of 2016. Wow. Did you have um, any mentors that like help guide you during that process? Um, uh, n- mentors, so to speak. Um, you know, a lot of my 
former attendings, you know, I talked to them um, and I talked to a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my uh, friends from residency, you know, who were either, you know, a couple years out or the same, same year out for me, you know, really just talking to them and kind of feeling, you know, kind of feeling things out and really kind of doing trial by fire. <laughs> I think really having good sounding boards professionally was very helpful in kind of trying to figure out a lot of the the unknowns that go into opening opening up your own medical practice, you know, just because there, there's so many things that, you know, you're not taught in medical school or residency, you know, about business, about medicine as a business. Okay. And so, you know, a lot of things are really just flying by the seat of your pants, yeah. you know, I mean, there's general like, okay, yes, open up a business, get a license, you know, get this and that, you know, but when it comes to the logistics, some of it is just really finding it out as it as it comes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's with almost any business owner. Uh, you know, so I think really having good people around you who are willing to share, you know, um, I think sometimes we can put ourselves in spaces in which people don't necessarily want to share the secrets to their success mm -hmm. or things that help them out. Uh, and I don't, I've never really liked that. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's just like taking a test. Okay. Everybody has the same book. You have the same materials to study from. Some people are going to get A's. Some people are going to get B's. Some people are going to fail. Um, but who am I to, if, if I, you know, prevent you, prevent you from having the book or an additional supplement for the test, what good does that do, do to me? It's not going to affect my score, right. you know? So I am of the thought of, you know, kind of surrounding yourself with people who are willing to share and exchange information so that all of us can be successful. There's enough to go around for everybody, you know? So um, I think that's, that's an important kind of life lesson that I learned even um, starting my business is that, you know, the people around me were really helpful and I've paid it back the same, you know, sometimes I just get on a call with some of my, you know, plastic surgery friends or other colleagues and we just kind of just swap ideas on, you know, devices we've used or, you know, how we've managed employees and, and things like that. And it's been very, very helpful. Hmm. Great advice. Okay. <laughs> we're going into our rapid fire portion of this interview. Oh. You have to answer these questions in one word. Okay. <laughs> the pressure Ooh, is on. Pressure. <laughs> okay. So question number one, what is one thing you do every morning that makes you happy? Oh, one thing. Oh, I, I can't really say no one word. Look at my kids. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. Okay. Favorite book. Oh, I don't do any leisure reading. <laughs> so pitiful right now. Um, oh gosh, what was, yeah, I can't. I can't even answer that right now. It's actually pretty pathetic because I have not finished a book in years. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You have Next to question. Join, join our book club. <laughs> yes, I know, but I want. I tried to start a book club up with some of my friends, and yeah. we failed miserably. <laughs> Because life caught up with us. Like, we would get, like, halfway through the book and say, okay, let's go drink some wine. Exactly. That's us. <laughs> our, our book club is really just to go have brunch together. But um, Okay. Okay. I'm down for exactly. it. <laughs> okay. So, what is, wait, how often do you, how many hours a night do you sleep? Seven. Okay. Uh, what is one way that you make fitness fun? 
do it. (laughs) (laughs) How often do you work out per week? Two, two days a week. Okay. And what's your favorite workout? Mm, Oh, um, oh gosh. It's, it, it, well, maybe, I guess just one exercise, I guess. I guess just running. Okay. Running. Yeah. What's one thing that's always in your gym bag? Uh, water. Okay. Uh, what can make or break your workout? Time. Hmm. A song that is always on your workout playlist. Oh, this one is always on my workout playlist now. Um, oh gosh, what is it? Um, Everybody Mad by um, isn't it OT? Dennis? Oh yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah. yeah, Everybody Mad. Oh my gosh, I ran I ran the Peachtree Road Race with some friends, and I had that like four times sprinkled <laughs> through the playlist. Like it got me up cardiac hill. Yes, that's so awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, what do you think your life would be like right now if you never worked out? Sad. sad. What is one thing you eat before a workout, if anything? Probably banana. Okay. And what about after a workout? Um probably a banana. No, (laughs) no. Um either like like a some type of protein bar. Okay. What's your favorite cheat day meal? Mm. Oh gosh. Probably like Mac something with like some macaroni and cheese, Ooh, yeah. Uh, fish taco, you know something, you know, and a beer. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, <laughs> say if you had a flight, you get all the way to the airport and you realize you left your favorite beauty product at home and you love this so much, you would go all the way back home to get it. What would that be? Shea butter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what about deodorant what's your go-to brand um secret but you know I had an issue after I had my son in which I was like temporarily allergic to it and it really broke my heart I was itching like crazy and so then I tried to try every single type of organic natural brand and it just didn't do it and then lo and behold one day I just I was just like I'm just gonna try it I'm just gonna try it and I'm back to secret that's that's good secret's great okay so we're done with our rapid fire questions and I have another question for you though Uh, Uh um hear the words pretty girls sweat what do they mean to you um I think that pretty girl sweat means working out is doesn't have to be pretentious it doesn't have it's kind of for everybody you know to where people you know you know you you don't want people to see you as okay well that person she doesn't do that she you know seems too put together or too you know prim and proper or anything like that or you know I I think it kind of challenges the notion of who's supposed to be able to work out or to sweat or to kind of let their hair down, you know? So it kind of, to me, that title is a little bit about, um, you know, removing inhibitions, um, and really kind of getting down to, you know, your goals, uh, and, you know, having a healthy lifestyle while still looking good. Well said, well said. And what is next for you? Next for me is continuing to build my brand, um, continuing to expand my practice, expand expand my scope, working on a few things, you know, like a YouTube series to kind of really bring some of the 
show factors back to the people who like to see me on TV. Because, you know, as you know, I was on Atlanta Plastic on Lifetime for a couple of years, and it was a really fun experience. And so I think I'd like to, you know, give that back to the public. People are always asking me, when is it coming back? When is it coming back? Because I think it was a really good show. But, you know, like I say, I don't think we were um, drama-filled enough for the network. <laughs> but aside from that, um, developing my own garment line, skincare line, um, and not like just facial skincare, really more like body skincare, since I'm known as the breast and body doc. <laughs> and, you know, uh, just really continuing to raise my family and enjoy them because um, you know it is it's hard to balance things you know when you get to be really really busy and really kind of feel like you're being the best mom and wife that you can be it's a struggle every day but you know I think um I think I'm doing pretty well at it mm -hmm. <laughs> you sure are you sure are and if you could leave a lasting message for the audience one one important thing that you want to share with them what would that be I think I've probably said a, a few of the important things that I think are really important to me. Um, well, in relation think, to like what you do, like in, in you know, in plastic surgery, because I know there's a stigma around it. So yeah, what would you say? I think really, um, you know, going back to what we started with, having a strong sense of self and who you are, not letting anybody else define that for you. And I think you know, it's kind of like what the the title of Pretty Girl Sweat is. You know, it's you know you have one idea of what a pretty girl or whoever that is and what they're allowed to do or, you know, whatever. But I think um, really kind of knowing who you are and, um, and what you want to do in life. And, and even if that isn't, you know, grand aspirations by whoever's definition, you know, really being happy in, in your skin and, and how you're living your life. I think a lot of people come and see me because, they're unhappy with a certain aspect of their appearance um, or how they feel about themselves. But the people who are the best candidates for surgery are the ones who may not like a thing here or there, but they still know who they are. They still know that whatever surgery I perform it isn't going to affect who they truly are on the inside. Now, it may help to bring out, uh, you know, a little bit more confidence or, you know, a greater sense of, you know, their femininity or sexuality. They may feel better in clothes, which can help them in other ways. But I think having a solid foundation of, you know, who you are and really being rooted in, in you know, your goals and kind of what your overall purpose in life is really is what it's all about and really you know will help you to kind of figure things out in the long run and not compromise you know your goals or your aspirations for anything else and that's Aisha Barron be sure to follow her on Instagram at breast and body doc and also on Facebook at breast body beauty and on Twitter at breast, letter N, body doc. You can also visit her website, breastbodybeauty.com, to learn all about the services her company offers. Join us on Saturday, September 14th for the third annual Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta. Grab your squad for the ultimate sweat sisterhood fitness festival. Register to receive exclusive access to elite trainers because with heart pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you'll get a first class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can rehydrate at our sip stations, refuel in our savor garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, 
refreshing our style lounge and shop in our vendor village. Head on over to prettygirlsweat.com slash PGSF to get your tickets today before they're gone. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's prettygirls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.